Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys? Week 7 preview, Bears and Raiders. And um, I don't know, how many of you are actually looking forward to this one on Sunday? Because after the way that we played against the Vikings last Sunday, uh, I can't say that I'm clamoring uh, to get to noon on Sunday to watch the Bears do it again. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't given up on the team, even though that sounds very much like I have. Um, I haven't given up on them. It's just that, you know, um, you'll hear me talk about this a lot in our next episode because I brought Lauren Cox back for the one-third review episode for the season. And um, a word that you'll hear a lot between the two of us when referring to this team is trust. You know, the trust has been broken. You can't trust them to win. Uh, you know, you can't trust them to be able to execute, to keep guys healthy the whole nine yards. You just can't trust this team. You know, after two solid offensive performances against Detroit, or excuse me, Denver and uh, Washington, they lay an egg uh, against uh, Minnesota, who, who does not have a more talented defense than either one of those teams. But they went ahead and they ran us through and, you know, beat Justin Fields up and got him injured, knocked him out of the game. We won't have him this week or God knows for how many weeks to follow uh, after that. We have this this easily manageable schedule, but yet we're playing so poorly it doesn't matter who's on the schedule uh, this year. I mean, it's it's just – it's frustration, and it's there's no trust that this team can turn it around. Uh, no trust in the team or the people running it. Uh, right now, and by running it, I mean the coaching staff at the very least. I, I'm not out on Ryan Poles just yet. So, uh, you know, Chase Claypool mistake aside, I'm I'm not out on uh, I'm not out on on Poles. But everybody else, yeah, Getsy, Eberflus, the whole lot of them, out they go. I'm done. So, anyway, we got lots to uh, talk about. We got Scott Gulbrinson from Silver and Black today here to help us preview. Uh, the matchup between these uh, two teams and, and uh, you know, talk about how, despite it all, this is a, a game that the Bears can win. Not easily, but it's it's not outrageous to think that they can compete because the Raiders are a flawed football team themselves. They're coming in on a two-game winning streak, and they have a lot that they can kind of hang their head on, including a guy like Mac Crosby. You know, they got Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro and the whole lot of them. Uh, Michael Mayer, their tight end that they drafted in the second round this year. A lot of talent on the side of the football, but they struggle mightily to score points, and that could be good for us because defense is actually playing pretty well these last couple weeks. So I don't know. We'll get into all of it, uh, so let's get to it. This is the Week 7 uh, preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Oh, boy. So two back-to-back. We got back-to-back home games before we go on the road for two weeks to uh, Los Angeles and New Orleans uh, for the next two weeks after this. And um, we got an interesting road ahead of us, that is for sure. You know, we're, we're likely doing it without 
uh, Justin Fields. The Bears haven't 100% committed to Fields being out uh, on Sunday. Uh, they're very much treating him as day-to-day, not even week-to-week, day-to-day uh, because of the extent of the injury. Uh, the MRI that was done, they're not telling us really anything that was revealed like as far as what the prognosis is. But if they're not immediately putting him on IR or saying that his season is over, I'm guessing it's you know it's a wait-and-see game, or at least that's what Eberflus is telling us right now. But then there we go again with the whole trust thing. I'm not really sure what to believe uh, when it comes to the Bears and what they're telling us. Um, you know, should I keep my hopes up that maybe we could see Fields in L.A. next week or, God forbid, two weeks from now in, in New Orleans? Or is it going to be the Tyson Bajan show for the rest of the season? And that would more than likely, sadly, mean that Fields' time in Chicago is over. I mean, I know there's a lot of you out there who believe that anyway, but... You know, if he's hurt and done for the year, then that's probably as much of a reality as there is going to be, is that Justin Fields will continue his NFL career and might actually still have a great career. It won't be in Chicago, which is depressing, to say the least. So let's go ahead and dive into our our news and notes, get this show underway. Uh, In roster news, the Bears signed quarterback Trace McSorley to the practice squad, which uh, happened pretty much right after. Uh, Fields had his MRI. The Bears had a a workout. Uh, three quarterbacks uh, were invited: Ian Book, uh, Bryce Perkins, who was with the Rams uh, last year, and uh, Trace McSorley. Somehow, Trace McSorley won uh, that sweepstakes, and he is now on the practice squad uh, for the Bears. Uh, that will be our, I guess, our emergency third uh, quarterback. God forbid something happens to Bajan and Peterman. Uh, against the Vegas on uh, Sunday. That's who uh, is going to be coming off the bench then. Um, so he's been in a couple of places and uh, none, nothing of note. I mean, he's. I, I still wonder why it is we can't call a guy like Colt McCoy, who has not been a winner, but he's been a starter. He has experience, uh, would also probably be helpful to a guy like Tyson Bajant, unlike Nathan Peterman who has been a disaster. At least Colt McCoy has seen some success and won some games. Uh, I mean, I don't know why it is he's not on the Bears' radar. I don't get it. I really don't. So, But anyway, that's neither here uh, nor there. But, um, you know, one of the things that's uh, been talked about this week, um, Matt Eberflus, God bless him for defending his player. But... Um, He's catching flack for his defense of Cody Whitehair because he um, he excused or was covering for Whitehair, saying that the reason he's struggling uh, with the snapping, uh, especially as badly as he did against uh, Minnesota, is because um, you know Cody Whitehair switched positions this year. Uh huh. Yeah, but uh, coach, he uh, he went to a Pro Bowl as a center. So he's not unfamiliar with the spot. Um, you know, he spent most of 2019 at center. And if I'm not mistaken, he spent most of 2020 at center and 2021. What the hell am I talking about? He, when did, I don't think, no, cause it wasn't until we signed Patrick that we were talking about moving, moving Cody Whitehair back to guard. And it's, you know, 
And then last year, when when White when uh, Patrick was hurt and had to play guard, who was our center? Cody freaking White. No, actually, I'm wrong. That was Sam Mustafer. That's right. That's what it was. I was like, what am I forgetting here? Mustafer was what 2021 and 2022, and he was a dumpster fire for us. So, yeah, that's what it was. That's why it's been a little bit of time since Cody's been a center because we had Sam Mustafer. That's right. But nonetheless, you know, until Whitehair, I think it was like until Whitehair got hurt in 2020, Sam Mustafer wasn't plugged in at center. He was the starter in 2021 and 2022, and he seemed to get worse as time uh, went along. Uh, we signed Nate Davis. We've got uh, Tevin Jenkins, so those are our guards. So we want Cody on the field, putting our best five guys out there. That means Cody Whitehair is going back to center, and it just it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. So, uh, But he was trying to defend it like this is a completely foreign thing to Cody Whitehair. Now, it might be since you joined the team, but he's actually been on the squad since 2016 and played most of his career in a Bear uniform as a center, you know, I would say he probably played more games at center than he has at guard. And, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's close, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely tips into the center side of things. All of 2016, all of 2017, all of 2018. I think he was only not the center for a few games when the Bears tried to make James Daniel the center at the start of 2019. That didn't work out, so became white hair again. And he was our starting center in 2020. So, yeah, until 2021, white hair wasn't uh, playing guard as his primary position. But he's been playing guard since you joined the team last season, and he's acting like Cody Whitehair wasn't a Pro Bowl center and hasn't played a majority of his career at the position. So, And it's not like this is something we talked about all offseason and Cody Whitehair has been preparing to play center since we signed Nate Davis. So, yeah, it's just, dude, just, just tell us you're coaching him up. And then he knows he, Cody's a pro. He's been on the team a while. He knows what he needs to do, and we're going to help him get there. Not, oh, he's struggling because he's, he's switching positions. This is what happens when you switch positions. <sighs> Fine. Just, you're on your way out of here anyway, so what the hell do I care what you're talking about uh, these days? But speaking of guys that might be on their way out, um, the trade deadline is just around the corner. And with the Bears 1-5 and five and staring down the barrel of 1-6 and six and possibly worse, the possibility of the Bears being sellers on uh, during the trade deadline is, uh, well, it's more likely than it isn't uh, at this point. I don't see any Chase Claypool deals where we're trying to bring somebody in uh, like we did last year. And um, two big names that are, are being kind of put out there, uh, Jalen Johnson and Darno Mooney. I've also heard uh, that they might be shopping Eddie Jackson uh, as well. But, um, you know, with Eddie Jackson being hurt, I can't imagine anybody there would be any takers for Eddie at this point. But, um, you know, Jalen Johnson says he's, he's aware uh, that it's possible. He's like, I'm not blind. Uh, the Bears are going to have to do what they want it, what they need to do. Um, but let me be clear: this is my home. This is where I want to be. And just a little preview of what Lauren and I talked about when I brought this up towards the end of the conversation uh, in in the next episode was that you know I think Jalen Johnson's our best corner. 
Um, he's one of our best players on defense. But there's that word again, trust. You can't trust him to stay healthy. I mean, he's already missed time this year. He missed a handful of games last year. You know, he came into the organization in 2020 off of a shoulder uh, injury, was out some of, of 2020 and all that kind of stuff. So you can't trust him to be in your lineup every single week. And I know in the NFL that's an extremely hard thing to do. But, you know, if you're betting on him being out of the lineup, you'll be right more than you're wrong as far as his ability to actually complete a 16-17 game season. And um, so, you know, as far as plopping down the money that he's going to deserve at the end of this season, it's like, how do you offer a long-term deal to a guy who can't finish one season, let alone four? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a bad argument. And Mooney is a name that's also being tossed around as, as, as trade bait, mostly because production's gone down in the last two seasons. It's like, well, production's gone down because the offense has gotten considerably worse the last two seasons, especially when it comes to the passing games. He was a thousand yard receiver back in 2021. And then these last two seasons, he's been, you know, well, he's, he missed the, like the last six or seven games of that foot injury uh, last year and wasn't, you know, lighting up the stat board uh, before then, isn't really doing much uh, this season either. And some people want to blame that on DJ Moore. It's like, no, it's not on DJ Moore. It's, it's the offense. We're just not um, being as productive as we've been, especially in the passing game, um, as we've been in, in years past, or at least not as good as, uh, you know, finding the receivers and, and getting them work, especially uh, Mooney. So... Um, that would be more of like getting Mooney out of Chicago and getting to somewhere where they might use him properly as opposed to how the Bears are using him now. But I would hate to see either one of those guys go. But uh, I'm with Lauren in the fact that, you know, I'm I'm torn. I would prefer to extend Mooney bring and keep him here. I would prefer to extend Jalen Johnson and keep him in Chicago rather than give that money to somebody new, somebody that we don't know. More times than not, free agency deals are not... You know, for every Julius Peppers that worked out fantastically uh, for us uh, early and often in his four years uh, in Chicago, for every four, you know, for every Julius Peppers, we'll get five uh, Moose and Muhammad's who, you know, showed flashes here and there. Didn't make you regret the signing, but also it was a very forgettable signing at the same time. You know, Moose and Muhammad is remembered mostly because he was on a team that went to the Super Bowl as opposed to all the great shit that, that Moose did when he was in a Bear uniform. It's not because he's a Chicago Bear great, not by any stretch of the imagination. The Bears paid him a lot of money. He gave us a number one receiver we didn't have. Uh, you know, He helped us win some games. He was on the team. He was a team player. He did great in blocking and stuff like that. But he's not exactly a Bear legend that we, go, that we would put in a power ranking for the best free agent signing in franchise history. He's, one of, you know, he's just one of those guys... It wasn't a bad signing. It didn't go poorly or anything like that. It's just nothing to write home about as far as, you know, him being a legend or him, you know, getting to the Super Bowl or actually more so, I should say, the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, that's where he found his greatness was in Chicago. He wasn't one of those guys. Julius Peppers used his stop in Chicago as another, you know, path to the NFL, another, another step, you know, on the ladder uh, to the pro football a Hall of Fame. So 
you know, like I said, I'd, I'd prefer to keep those guys and extend them and keep them here. The devil, you know, if you will, but don't be surprised if, uh, you know, week eight, you start hearing about, uh, you know, like Robert Quinn and, and, uh, Roquan Smith last year to hear that Jalen Johnson and Mooney and maybe even Eddie Jackson are being shipped out for day three draft picks uh, next season to kind of pad our prospects for 2024. Let's see, what else do we have? We got uh, the Bears hired their senior defensive analyst. His name is Phil Snow. Uh, His duties will include scouting for senior coaching staff, presenting reports, and assisting in other ways. Uh, and he was most recently the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers for Matt Rule from 2020 to 2022. And uh, I don't know if he had any prior connection to Eberflus. Um, you know, maybe they'd worked together in Indianapolis before he left to go be the D.C. Uh, in Carolina, or maybe they were together in Dallas at some point or something like that. I didn't really dig deep enough into Snow's prior uh, career to see if he had a connection to Eberflus uh, to start with, but he's the defensive help that they were talking about bringing in, but uh, doesn't say anything about, uh, says he's will be scouting for seniors, coaching staff, presenting reports, and assisting in other ways. So maybe that pers- that assisting in other ways can mean uh, game planning uh, and things like that, but uh, yeah, it's not it's like where he's going to come in and be the DC and take that off of Aberflus's hands. I guess he's got his his grip firmly on the defensive playbook now. So and then finally, the injury report I would call uh when it rains, it pours. Uh, because not only do we have a slew of guys on this list, like Nate Davis, like Justin Fields, uh Eddie Jackson is back on the list. Roshan Johnson, uh let's see, uh Jan uh, who else? Yeah, so all those guys that were on it last week. But now we get to add people like Dan Feeney, who apparently injured his knee in practice yesterday because he was limited yesterday on Wednesday, didn't practice yet, didn't practice today. And, you know, Justin Fields with the thumb injury hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, Travis Homer, uh, who was out last week with a hamstring injury, limited yesterday, full go today. So that, that's at least trending up, thank God. Uh, Eddie Jackson, who left the game early against Minnesota after being out for a couple of weeks, was limited yesterday, didn't practice today. Roshan Johnson has not practiced yet, still on concussion uh, protocol. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, just for fun, limited yesterday with a back injury, was full go today. So maybe that was just a tweak or, or something like that. Terrell Smith. Rookie uh, cornerback, drafted him in the fifth round this year, had an outstanding performance against Washington, uh, stripped uh, the tight end and forced a fumble uh, at a key part in the game in the second half uh, two weeks ago. Out for the next three to four weeks with mono. It's like, (laughs) really? Second year in a row, we lose a player for a month to mono. Last year it was Alex Leatherwood. This year it's it's, uh, Terrell Smith. And then just so your butthole can pucker up a little bit more, Darnell Wright was limited in practice yesterday with a soldier injury, shoulder injury, and here comes the pucker. He didn't practice today. So, yeah. So Dan Feeney, the knee injury. Nate Davis hasn't practiced yet with that ankle injury. He's basically out 
uh, for this week uh, as well. Doesn't look like we're getting Roshan back unless something drastically changes in the next 24 hours. Doug Kramer uh, is full participation with the thumb injury that he was on IR for. He's still in his 21-day window. The Bears haven't activated him to the roster yet. But with the way our centers have been playing the last few weeks, why wouldn't you throw him out there? Why wouldn't you? At this point, why not? So, yeah, what have we got to lose? We are in that part of the season. We're in what have we got to lose. We'll talk more about that at the end. But uh, peeking quickly over on the Raiders' side, uh, Devontae Adams limited yesterday with a shoulder full go today. Uh, Max Crosby limited with knee and thumb injuries, but he's going to play. Garoppolo has not practiced yet with a back injury, so it's looking like Aiden O'Connell is going to be the starting quarterback. We'll talk more about that with Scott Gobertson here in a few minutes. Um, let's see. Nate Hobbs, a cornerback with an ankle injury, has not practiced yet. And Robert Spillane, one of their better linebackers, knee and shoulder injuries, has been full participation all week long. So, you know, mostly I guess he's just taking it easy so far. But that's all we got. Let me see, did I miss any other news or notes? Nope, that's all of them. Let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Scott Gobertson from Silver and Black Today, talking Bears Raiders, week number seven. Week number seven has our beloved Chicago Bears uh, still in Soldier Field, uh, for better or for worse. One in five without our starting quarterback, most likely. The Bears, they know it, but they won't admit it uh, just yet. And coming into town from the AFC West, we have the Oakland, Oakland, good God, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders coming in to see uh, our Bears, who are on a uh, two-game winning streak. And here to help us preview this matchup between the Bears and the Raiders on Sunday, from the Silver and Black today, it's Scott Gulbertson. Scott, welcome back, man. Hey, Larry. Good to be back with you uh, in uh, the place of my birth, of course, in Chicago. So I'm, I'm a Chicago native and always good to to mix it up with folks talking the Bears. I feel bad for Bears fans. Ugh. Whenever I have Raider fans tell me that they're not happy with the direction of the team, um, I, I point to the Bears. I point to a couple other areas as well. Yeah. Uh, although I think for the Bears, things are going to look up, uh, obviously, you're already thinking about the draft next year and, right. and boy, having the first two picks is a nice little position to be in at least. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, like if you want to feel bad for a, for a franchise right about now, how about the uh, Carolina Panthers who are zero and six and don't even have the number one pick to look forward to because they've already traded it away. So that's correct. You know, yeah. How, how would you like to be Owen? How would you like to be zero and six and have no future draft wise? That would be fun. Wouldn't it? <laughs> so but let's let's talk about your Raiders uh, real quick, and, and you know, like the first six weeks uh, of the season. You know, when we spoke over the summer previewing the season, I think if if we were talking about the the Raiders coming into Chicago in Week Seven with a three and three record, that you know you'd probably be pleased. But something tells me that Raider fans are not pleased with how we got to three and three this year. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you when you talk to Raider fans, um, it, it is a lot of them call them sort of empty wins. I don't know that there is such a thing. I mean, look, in the NFL, it's tough. And I think for fans, fans always have for the most part until the season starts and things start going uh, crazy one way or the other. 
fans always are are optimistic. You know, they 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 hold out hope, and and you think your team's going to be better, and that's good. You know, no, nothing wrong with that. That's how you should be as a fan. But at the same time, for those of us who cover the team a lot, we we looked at it as saying, well. My broadcast partner, Momot, and I, Mo picked them to win six games. I picked them to win seven. So I, where they won them and how they won them, we thought would be different. We thought that, and I think Raider fans, the, the biggest disappointment they've seen so far has been the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this offense is number the fifth highest paid offense against the salary cap, $102 million paid wow. to this offense. They rank 25th in scoring. They rank 25th in touchdowns in the red zone. So so it's just been a disaster, and it starts with the quarterback. So they, they ran off Derek Carr, and I think that was an okay decision. I think it was good for both sides, for Derek Carr to go somewhere else after all the years he spent with the Raiders in Oakland and in Las Vegas, but also for the Raiders to, to move on. And Josh McDaniels wanted his own quarterback, and he decided let's go get the most injured quarterback in the NFL. Right. Let's go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, because he can manage a game, he doesn't turn the ball over. Well, early on, Larry, Jimmy Garoppolo has been terrible, and I always use the Vegas analogy. I'm look, these guys, Josh McDaniels put all his chips on black on the roulette wheel, and black was Jimmy Garoppolo, and as the ball has stopped spinning early in the season, it's hitting red. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's, it's been a disaster. He's now hurt again, might miss, uh, most likely going to miss this week, and perhaps next week. So it's going terribly on the offense, but on the flip side, the defense has won them two games here in, in this two-game winning streak. And so I think people are excited and Raider fans are finding the positive of that this defense starting to finally maybe play better. I mean, it's not going to be a top-10 defense, okay? But if they can start to creep up the rankings there and, and continue to to pick up where the offense can't, and, and keep them in games, fans are happy with that. So it's a surprise to be three and three, especially when they started off one and two and, and, and whatnot. But they're hitting the stretch where they're playing teams that are struggling. The Patriots, obviously the Bears mm-hmm. and the Giants and then the Jets. Uh, and then they have the, oh, the Lions uh, in between that too. So that'll be a tough one. But this is a stretch where I think the Raiders can actually uh, uh, win some games. But that offense is so bad, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's uh, got to be frustrating. I was talking about the Giants uh, yesterday on my NFL show. How you know whether or not Daniel Jones plays this weekend, the Giants got to figure out how to score some points because they're in their one win, they scored thirty-one points against the Cardinals. In their five losses, they combined for forty. Crazy. They're scoring eight points a game in their five losses. I was like, they got to figure out how to score, man, because that's yeah. killing them right now. And as I'm. As I'm looking at the at the Raiders, in in two of their three wins, they've only scored 17 points. Yeah, this this past week, Larry was the first time against the Patriots. You're who, right you know, that they are, cracked are 20. Terrible. Yeah, they had never cracked 20. Right. So, and again, 102 million dollars for that. Like mm-hmm. you can't score 20 points. So I, but it all starts with the quarterback. There, I mean, I think that's if you don't have good quarterback play. And oh, by the way, the offensive line, which is not terrible. It's, a, it's an okay offensive line. They've regressed, uh, but if you look at the numbers, uh, it's clearly a quarterback issue. They're just not able to move the ball. How's Josh Jacobs been so far this year? Well, he started off slow uh, because obviously he held out of camp <clears throat> with the salary stuff, and and he, there's been some glimmers here in the last couple weeks, but still not what you're used to. Now, everybody wants to blame the offensive line, and sure, sure enough, if you watch the film – 
there is some issues, but it also goes back to, hey, NFL defenses and defensive coordinators are not stupid, at least most of them. And they discovered, well, geez, Jimmy Garoppolo cannot throw the ball downfield, so we're going to stack the box. Right. <laughs> we're just going to put everybody inside there. And guess what? Josh Jacobs isn't getting the opportunity. So so is is he perhaps playing himself back into game shape? Now we're into week seven. You would think he's there. And and we saw some opportunity when 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 Garoppolo went out against the Patriots with the injury and Brian Hoyer came in, um, they started to go downfield a little more. Hoyer was attacking the field a little more. And then when they ran the ball, Josh Jacobs had a nice 10, 12-yard run. So I think you're seeing that this cause and effect with the offense, and it's a real weird thing for the Raiders because they can't run the ball because they're not passing the ball downfield enough. And then they also um, uh, aren't aren't really getting the opportunity to pass down the field because their quarterback's just not doing it. Now, Sunday in Chicago, the rookie Aiden O'Connell should start, and 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 which I know he's a Chicago kid, by the way, from the suburbs and went to Purdue. He's he he pushes the ball downfield. So I think you'll see he's not a big long thrower, but he is somebody who's aggressive. So I think you'll see more of it against the Bears and and perhaps that'll free up the 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 run for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting to to see how how things come together especially early on uh in the year to to you know to just realize as I'm looking at it Sunday was the first time you guys cracked 20 points and if if not for Max Crosby's safety uh at the end of the game you wouldn't have even done that uh on yep. Sunday against the uh against the Patriots. So it's it's um you know you'd think with with their car Devontae Adams um did you bring in Jacoby Myers? Jacoby Myers, yeah, yeah. brought in yeah. Jacoby Myers, uh, bringing you know Josh Jacobs, even though he came in uh, late because of the holdout. That yeah, the firepower that you guys have, you'd be doing a lot better than what sixteen, seventeen points uh, a game so far this year. Yeah, and that's that's really been the problem. And so the defense playing as well as they did, and you mentioned the Max Crosby safety to get them over twenty points. Uh, it's a it's the perfect example. But we all know, look in the NFL, there are times when that happens when it's kind of like a it's a seesaw, right? Sometimes your offense is struggling, so your defense has got to pick up the slack, mm-hmm. and that's great. But the Raiders' defense is not, you know, a top five unit. It's not the 49ers, it's not, you know, uh, Detroit even, who's now a top 10 unit. It's not that kind of defense. They're, they're full young players. They're getting better. And and so you like to see the progress, but it's not a defense that's going to carry you. And so you have to get that offense. And again, the money you're spending, the talent, and you just mentioned all those names. Also, Michael Mayer, of course, the rookie right. tight end out of Notre Dame, who has been underutilized so far. You have Hunter Renfro, good slot receiver, that they are intent on sitting on the sideline and and getting out of town. We don't know why. He had injury last year, but but he's he's making 14 million dollars, Larry, and he's not getting he's he's not getting any time. He's not getting any reception. This is a guy with Derek Carr who who was one of the better slot receivers in the league. Yeah. And he's sitting on the sideline. So it's it's kind of weird what's going on with the offense, but but they've got to figure it out. Look, I don't I still don't think this is a playoff team, but I do think they can w- reach that seven or eight win mark, but they got to do it with the offense and you got to see something happen. And Jimmy Garoppolo, they signed and he's, he's here for two years basically. But my, when he comes back from the injury, if he continues to be ineffective at some point, 
you got to say, okay, we got this rookie. He's fourth rounder. Let's just let him play and see what happens because we're not going anywhere anyway, and this guy's not doing anything for us. So you just got to eat it and go. But it's a hard thing to do, as you know, for NFL coaches to admit that they're wrong in such a public way. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, we had four years of that with uh, Matt Nagy and his stubbornness with the uh, with the play calling. You yeah. know, like we saw that the Bears were were effective when we line up in the power eye and hand the ball off to David Montgomery. We had, you know, all of a sudden it started to look like an offense. And then he famously says, I didn't come here to run the power eye. It's like, are you sure about that, dude? Because, uh, you know, your rookie running back uh, just ran for 155 and three touchdowns. I think you are a power eye offense. It called me crazy. Well, and it's interesting you say that because we were talking about this um, um, as well, and and that that is this idea. You know, coaches have their system, right? Everybody hears about their system and that system and their offense and his offense, and that's fine. It's true, but you you don't you don't look at your office and say, okay, well that guy can't run my office, so I'm going to get rid of him and I'm going to bring somebody else in. You can't, in in the NFL, the modern NFL, you can't just swap pieces and parts constantly. So, to your point about Nagy. Like adjust your offense to the talent you have. Yeah. If you are good in that eye, then go with it. That doesn't mean you can't mix in the other stuff you want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where the ego and, and some of these guys and Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Raiders is this way. I think he thinks he's too smart, too smart. And so he's like, well, I'm not going to do, no, you got to do my system and this is how it's going to work. And meanwhile, you have talent that could help you win. Cause at the end of the day, you're not going to keep your job if you don't win. Right. And, um, but they seem, um, um, I think, uh, what's it called? Um, stubborn to 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 change. They just do. Yeah, and it's it's uh, frustrating. I mean, it's it's basically the same as watching the Bears now, where you know after Justin Fields damn near breaks the single uh, season rushing record for a quarterback, we've spent the first six weeks a getting him injured and b keeping him in the pocket. I, I don't know if that's a way that they're t- them trying to protect him from himself. Because he took some hits and didn't play in like the last two games uh, last year from the shots he took running the ball and also the fact that he can't get a call from a referee to save his life. It's like <laughs> it's like he's the new Cam Newton uh, kind of thing. Just because he's six three and two twenty, the referees figure oh he's good for it kind of thing when he takes one hit uh, after a, a, another uh, and everything and uh, doesn't do anything to protect Fields in the pocket, which is how he got hurt. Uh, on Sunday, it's like, yeah, the Vikings are bringing nine guys on every play, but we'll still try to block them with five. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out, uh, kind of thing. Don't keep in the running backs or maybe max protection. Nah, never mind. You know that's fine. We'll 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 figure it out. He'll, you know, Justin will get there. He'll he'll make the throws and all. And no, <laughs> no, he's running for Superman. his life. Yeah, just desperately tries to get rid of the ball. It's, you know, dislocates his thumb. Could be out. A month could need surgery, could be done for the year. And, you know, everybody mm-hmm. that's been calling for Tyson Bajant got their wish on Sunday afternoon. Two plays in, he was strip sacked for a touchdown, and the ball game was pretty much over uh, after that. So it's like, you know how it is, man, especially with the seasons that both our teams are having, or our offenses are having, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. The most popular guy on the roster is always the backup uh, quarterback, and Tyson Bajant's been the star in, in Chicago after he had a decent. Uh, preseason and everybody loves his story division two quarterback didn't get a yeah. shot you know makes the team and, and, and is the number two uh, quarterback and now he's going to be our starter on Sunday uh, unless uh, Fields has some kind of miracle recovery in the next couple of days and uh, you know we're going to get they're going to get what they asked for uh, on Sunday 
both both teams because yeah, I yeah. mean that's what's going to happen with Aiden O'Connell too, and and what a cool I mean a cool story on both sides for these quarterbacks how they play we'll we'll see, mm-hmm. but with Badgen obviously the the story is well documented and I think a lot of people root for him underdog because of where he came from and then O'Connell coming back home to Chicago. Uh, to start just his second pro game, and he's going to do it in Soldier Field against the Bears. That's pretty cool too. I'm sure he'll have a a, a just a little small family sure. section there, just about eighty or ninety <laughs> From, people. You know, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, his high school coach. Everybody's going to be there, which will be really cool. So, so yeah, this is interesting, and it, and it it goes to though. I think you're seeing across the league as well, and you probably know this from from your from your your general NFL show, which is uh, scoring is down. Uh, red zone scoring in particular is down as really what's happened is with all these spread offenses and what you're seeing uh, is defensive coordinators uh, have figured it out on a shorter field. It also gives those offenses less to do in the shorter field. And so you're seeing that. I also think one thing that one theory that I'm playing with as well, and I'm seeing some, and I'm still kind of researching it so that I can bolster my, my opinion. And that is, I think once you get past, the top eight or nine quarterbacks, by the way, I think we're seeing a lot of mediocre quarterback play across the league. Sure. And I think that has something to do with it. So you have these new offenses and you have quarterbacks. You know, we went through that golden age just a while ago. When you go back to uh, all these guys that that retired in the last six, uh, six seven years, when you look at Manning and Breeze and uh, Roethlisberger, all these different guys, um, we were kind of spoiled then. And then now you look at some of the starters, uh, they're either really young and still learning or they're kind of just middle of the road guys, you know, or guys towards the end of their career who had a little bit of success, but not great. So there's some uh, clearly some great young quarterbacks in the league, like Burrow, like Allen, like Lamar Jackson. But past that, it gets pretty thin. Uh, now, this year, as you guys will find out in Chicago, great quarterback draft coming up. So I think we're going to be at the end of this this mediocre quarterback period in the next couple of years, and then we'll start to see. But I think that has a lot to do with it because these guys, outside of a Brock Purdy or somebody who comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of it's blah once you get past that top eight or ten. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, agree with you uh, on that because the – you know, the, the, you can make statistics say anything, but in this one, you can't say that the statistics are lying. Uh, right. Offense is definitely down. Points are, are definitely down. And uh, the level of guys behind center is definitely one of those reasons as to why that, uh, to why that is, which, which, which shows, you know, just how difficult it is to play that position. But by, by you know, the current slate of quarterbacks, you know, how many of them are actually franchise quarterbacks that, uh, you know, can carry a team, can make everyone better around them uh, kind of thing. I mean, even even Pat Mahomes is struggling uh, this yeah. year. I mean, statistically, he's doing fine, but the Chiefs are having the same problem pretty much everybody else is right now in, in scoring points and, and putting teams away like they're used to. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where you start to see it. Um, and, and, and clearly, the defenses are catching up. Also, it's interesting how defenses are changing. Um, I mean, you look at a team like my, I, I'm not a Dolphins fan, but I love watching Miami right now. Yeah. What Mike McDaniel is doing down there is revolutionary because he's basically taken two proven offenses that use motion. He's taken the West Coast offense. Of course, everybody's familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's taken sort of the vertical game piece, which is the old Air Coriel. You could say Al Davis a little bit there as well with just going deep. And they've mixed it, and they're doing this 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 pre snap and 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 post snap motion, which has just 
caught defenses off guard. So that's so good for them. But overall, these defenses too, you look at the athletes, the, the position, I mean, you know, you know, God bless Dick Butkus who just passed. Um, and, but you look back at the old school, when I was growing up, you know, Lawrence Taylor, the old school linebacker, the middle linebacker, you know, there's, that was the guy. Now linebackers kind of play safety sometimes like the athletes are different because the game has changed. And so you're seeing that too. You're seeing just a different type of type of athlete play on defense. Um, and I think that has some impact too. Yeah, because there's, uh, you know, they're getting to the point where you're seeing more hybrid positions, especially at yes. uh, a linebacker because it's so pass heavy. You can't have too many LeVon Kirklands out there who's, you know, six one yeah. and somehow, you know, is 300 pounds, but is your middle linebacker uh, <laughs> kind of thing. Now your safety, your, your, your linebackers and your safeties hover in the 220 pound uh, range and they fly around. Like, I mean, even, even our new middle linebacker in Intermain Edmonds, he's six, five, but he's maybe two thirty uh, yeah. or so just, you know, flying around speed is his game, you know, speed. because that's Absolutely. what's required in today's uh, NFL. And yes. uh, you know, that's where it's gone. And, and, and it's getting to the point where I've, and I've been saying for years, like eventually they're going to have to come up with a name, for this hybrid safety linebacker uh, position. They're going to have to come up with a name for it, <laughs> you know, yeah. for, for guys like a, a Buda Baker or something who spends yeah. just as much time in the box as he does in, in coverage, but he's technically a safety, even though he's playing linebacker, you know, just as much as he is playing uh, safety out there on the field. Like one of these days they're going to come up with a name for it. So um, no doubt. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, to see how that, uh, goes, but um, you know, I, I like I said, ro- rolling through the the, the Raiders uh, schedule, week one, you eke out the win over uh, Denver, which was a nice slap in the face to Sean Payton uh, after all of the his talk uh, over the off season about how terrible Nathan Hackett was, and he's struggling almost worse than Nate Hackett was uh, in scoring points and uh, and all that kind of stuff, and then in back to back weeks against the. Uh, the, well, actually, I take that back. You get ransacked by the Bills uh, the week after that, where you hung tough for about a quarter and a half before that one <laughs> came to reality. But the two games after that, the 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 Steelers and the Chargers, the same thing happened in both weeks, where the the Steelers and the Chargers both get out to big leads early, and then kind of coast uh, the rest of the way. And the Raiders just can't do enough in order to win those games. Those two games, especially, are the ones I want to talk about, especially the. Uh, was it the Charger game where Khalil Mack goes ballistic for six sacks? Yeah, was six that against sacks. the Raiders? Yep. So, but I mean, in that game, they it's twenty four to seven at halftime, but you shut them out completely in the second half. But offensively, still can't do enough to come back and win that one. No, and that was Aiden O'Connell's first start. So, so right. you know, you, you Jimmy Garoppolo um, gets a concussion at some point during the the Steelers game. Maybe it was before, after he threw the interception in the end zone. Um, but, but yeah, so, so they go down to LA, a heavy Raider crowd down there as always. And, uh, Aiden O'Connell turns the ball over three times. Um, and, and so, you know, as his first start, it's something you kind of expect as a rookie, but they had opportunities. And again, they just can't, they can't get the points when they need them to, they're settling for three, versus getting seven and that minus four over and over again is, is what killed them in that game. And, and frankly, almost killed them against the Patriots. They're lucky the Patriots were as bad as they were the following week because 
Raiders had out of their first seven possessions, six possessions in the red zone and only had one touchdown. Wow. And when you play better teams uh, or teams that have a better defense, even you're, you're not going to get those opportunities, right? You're not going to get, I mean, to get into the red zone seven times is insane. And so, so that, that's something that they have to do. And they did that in the charger game too. They could not get the points, but that's the game. That's second half is like when a light bulb went off for the defense because the defense in that game um, held the Chargers scoreless the, that entire second half is why the Raiders were able to get back in the game. And then the following week, um, uh, they they hold the Packers, too, for the first uh, uh, um, four, actually four quarters, three quarters. So they went five or six quarters without giving up a touchdown to defense. And that seemed to kind of get the momentum going for them. And then, of course, they go in against the Patriots and they have another good game and, and get turnovers. And that's the thing, too. The Raiders on defense have had difficulty um, getting getting takeaways. And they got some in the Charger game. They started there. And then they got in Pittsburgh. I mean, we had uh, Spillane, um, who used to play for the Steelers, the linebacker, intercept the ball twice, like I can't remember covering the team for 11 or seven years. I can't remember a time when the linebacker had two interceptions, oh, man, in, in a, in a game, let alone in a season. Yeah. So they, they started to create those turnovers and, and that really started against Pittsburgh. And even though they lost that game, then in LA, they started to build on it again. And then over the next two wins, they've created turnovers. And so no, no doubt that that's why they've been winning these games. They, the, the defense can take all the credit for, for the wins. Which is, um, you know, when I, going into this thing, which has been so frustrating about watching the Bears uh, play the way that they have uh, the first six weeks of the season, is that it's not exactly a daunting schedule that the Bears have been faced with. And it's like, I know that we're, we're favored to lose, and, and we should. Uh, be favored to lose because a because of the way we've been playing, but b because you know we're going to be without Justin Fields and uh, sure. and all that kind of stuff. But it's like with the way the offense for the Raiders has been playing, only averaging maybe seventeen points a game, just cracking twenty for the first time this past Sunday in the sixth game of the week. In my opinion, that makes this a winnable game for the Bears. But we will somehow figure out a way to make this thing look easy for you guys. And, you know, so that you can come away with the win or Devontae Adams will go back to being the bear killer that he was for a decade uh, in Green Bay and just run roughshod on us, make Aiden Connell look like a genius because the Bears are really courteous to our guys returning home to the Chicago area because, I mean, you guys would probably be favored by 20 if Garoppolo was playing because I think he's played the Bears three times in Soldier Field and he's beat us all three times, uh, you know, kind of thing. We got a funny thing about... Chicago boys returning home to play against the Bears where they just out they just seem to do fantastic so their their 80 or 90 uh, fan, persons fan section in the Soldier Field is going ballistic the t- the whole time watching him rack up a game he'll never play again in his life uh kind of thing but you know it's it's been frustrating we, you know we the, the the as like I said the defense is strong I mean you got Max Crosby that with the way our offensive lineman that matchup terrifies me all all especially with the way we just played against the Vikings. That's the matchup that worries me, but the rest of it is manageable. Like, we can win, uh, I think. It's like we can win. The truly, sure. the truly great question is, will we win? Is the, and, and five times out of six, the answer is no. So, 
Well, and it's. It, I think this game. This game reminds me a little bit of the Raiders' last game against the Patriots, and that is the Ra- The Raiders' defense is surging, which maybe gives them a little bit of an advantage. And you talked about the troubles that the Bears have had up front on offense, and of course with a backup quarterback in there. So that that too, and and so so you like that if you're a Raider fan, you're saying okay, that gives us the edge. But then you just look at the ineffectiveness of the offense now. Raider fans, as I said earlier, would be really excited about Aiden O'Connell starting, but he's a rookie, mm-hmm. just like you're facing with the Bears. So so you just don't know what you're going to get. I think there's a lot of confidence that he can do well, mm-hmm. and it, it's a good opportunity for him to to play in a game, I think, because the, the Bears aren't at their best right now. Right. But, but I think that when you have this kind of dysfunction, just like the Bears have, and just in a different way, that sometimes you just – yeah, you think, well, the Raiders have the edge, but they're on the road, quarterback, you know, you just don't know. So so this one, I mean, I think on our show, I, I, I picked the Raiders to maybe win by seven-ish or so, but I don't know because they, they, they don't score. Yeah. So, so this could very easily be a game that's pretty low scoring and somebody wins it on the field goal at the end because there's a turnover. I mean, I really could see it going that way as well. Well, you know, that's what you get when you get rookie quarterbacks. You get untimely uh, turnovers. Right. Uh, and we had one on Sunday against the uh, the Vikings. We're down 19-13. We're, uh, you know, Bajan's kind of getting into his groove. He'd, he'd put a touchdown drive earlier together in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, we need a touchdown. We can win uh, this thing. Uh, you know, the offensive line kind of buckles under the pressure. He doesn't step into his throw, just kind of heaves it out there, gets it picked off ball game over, uh, you know, Bears lose uh, kind of thing. That's what happens when you get the rookies out there. They will uh, try to play hero ball from time to time instead of that experience. Tell them, once you just throw this away, we'll take it over on second down or we'll try to get on third down or we'll punt and try it on the next one uh, kind of thing. Nope, got to get it out there now. And uh, DJ Moore's my guy, so I'm going to heave it out there. And you throw it five <laughs> yards short and it gets picked off and now the game's over. Now what? You don't get to live to fight another day now. So, uh, yeah, it, it's um, that's what you that's the risk that you run when you have a rookie out there who doesn't have the experience to to know better and is going mm-hmm. out there trusting his body more than what he's actually seeing in front of him uh, on the field. I've made this throw before. I know I can do this and you know heave it out there. Oh, that guy's way faster than the guys I used to play against. He he <laughs> closed that he closed that gap in a way that I've never seen before. I mean even. Uh, Aiden O'Connell in the Big Ten can fall victim to something like that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's so. uh, they they they're going to make rookie mistakes. It's no doubt about it. O- O'Connell made one in that Charger game you mentioned uh, in the red zone. They were going down to take the lead later in the game and threw, throws an interception in the red zone. That's the kind of thing you see from those rookie rookie quarterbacks. Well, I know that that Garoppolo was he hurt for mo- like all of the preseason? Did he play at all in the preseason? No. No. Didn't play at all in the preseason. Oh, uh, he played one series. I take that back. One series, uh, but he came back from that surgically repaired foot. So yeah, he didn't see much action there. the The interesting thing with him, though, and I think it, it it bears mention is he's not comfortable. That offensive line has not been as good as it's been in pass protection, mm-hmm. and you can tell by how tentative and how jittery he can be that he's not comfortable back there. So that tells you he doesn't have the confidence in his offensive line. Yeah. And then you got to wonder about the injury. Look, you're 31 years old. I know that's young, relatively speaking. But in football years, you know, you're starting to get you're starting to get to that part of your career where you're looking at the last third of your career. Right. 
And, and um, all those injuries add up. And, and this latest one with the foot, he might be 100%. Maybe he's not having pain, but has it changed his mechanics? Does he throw differently because of it? That could be, but he's just not going downfield. He's not trying to um, do that. Now, he's not a big downfield guy anyway. He never was with San Francisco. He didn't have to be. And and with the Raiders, though, he's not finding Devontae Adams, which is your greatest weapon. So so that's that still continues to be part of the problem. I just don't think he's the same guy. And I think they made a mistake. I just think they did. And now they're going to have to deal with the repercussions of that. Hope that the rookie can play a little bit, because if they falter down the line, uh, you don't want to put Brian Hoyer in there as a 15 year veteran. He's not going anywhere. He's great to have there as the insurance policy in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. But he's not the guy who's going to you know, try to lead a team to to improve very much. So we'll have to see in Chicago on Sunday how Aiden O'Connell can do, and maybe he'll convince his coaching staff that if Jimmy G comes back and is not effective, that they can go to him and um, and maybe maybe install him as a starter for the rest of the season. Yeah, even though Hoyer has been with the the the, the New England Patriots like six times in his 15 yeah. uh, career, he did play a year for the Bears uh, as yep. well and, and dug out a win or two. Or did he just, I don't know, maybe he just played. I think 2016, I think we had four or five different quarterbacks play for us uh, that year where we had guys like Matt Barkley uh, starting mm-hmm. games for us uh, that year when Cutler got hurt and uh, and everything. So, yeah. So, but, um, you know, the reason that I ask is because, you know, the, the way that Tyson Bajan became the darling of Chicago was that because our offensive line was banged up in the preseason, they exposed Justin Fields to the preseason as little as humanly possible you know he played one drive against the Tennessee Titans in the first game he didn't play at all against Indianapolis because that was the uh joint practice week so they felt they got what they needed from Justin Fields that week and then maybe two maybe the first quarter he played uh in the third game against uh uh, Buffalo and the rest of it was watching PJ Walker struggle and now he's winning games for the Browns go figure and then but then Tyson Bajan would come out and look better than the other two run the ball down the field he's leading drives he's scoring points and you know there were people pounding the table for him to be QB2 in the preseason and I'm like guys he's playing against guys that will not be professional football players in a few weeks right or at best at best he's playing against backups and special teamers you know, it's like that's the high that's the highest level of talent he's facing right now. These guys are playing for their right. jobs. It's not like the the pros he's going to be playing against if and when he's actually out there on the field. And we found that out literally on the second play that he was out there. He, you know, gets trapped in the pocket, he's trying to run away, gets strip sacked, the Vikings score a touchdown that we can't come back from, uh kind of thing, and the game was pretty much over. Uh, after that, it's like everybody needs to calm down. Everyone's so excited that he's playing this weekend. And, and again, he showed flashes in that one drive uh, against the Vikings. But, you know, he's can he do that for 60 minutes? And it's not like I've been like, I don't like Tyson Page. And I've been thrilled with how well he played. It's been the longest time since the Bears tried to develop a quarterback. Because we've had GMs preach for years. We're going to draft a quarterback every year or bring in a quarterback every year. Ryan Pace didn't do it once the whole time he was in Chicago. Did not do it yeah. one time. He drafted Trubisky and then didn't bring in anybody to try to develop on the back end or anything like that. So I was thrilled we got Bajan, that he's done so well uh, and everything, and that he's kind of earned 
uh, this spot. But I have not been the one to be like, ah, get Fields out of there, put Bajan in there. It's like you're out of your minds if you think this is going to be a recipe for success. You're out of your minds. And here we are. Now we're faced with the reality. we got to throw him out there because we have no other choice. Our starting quarterback is hurt. Our alternative is Nathan Peterman. God help us. And oh, we know all about Nathan yeah, Peterman. So who doesn't at this point? But yeah, you know, it's it's like I'm praying for the best. I'll be thrilled if and when he does well. But I'm not the one to be like, oh, problem solved. Tyson Bajan's our starting quarterback. Like, not even close. Not no, and close. I blame I blame Tom Brady for all that because everybody's always had that feeling. That the best player is always the backup quarterback because he's not out there actually screwing up or any of that stuff. But I also think people look at the Tom Brady situation because Tom Brady's, you know, the draft pick, the six round draft pick, and he becomes the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, really, when you look at the winning and all that stuff. And so, so now people, oh, well, you don't know. He could be the next Tom Brady, which of course is crazy comparison, but, or he could just be a really good quarterback. And, and to, to, to a certain degree, they're right. Like Bajan could come out. And it could be a great story in the history of football. He comes out, starts against the Raiders, beats them, and the Bears go on a five-game win streak or whatever. Or at least he performs well enough that they say, well, Mitch, maybe we don't need to draft a quarter. You never know, right? It would be yeah. a long shot of a story. And the same thing with the Raiders with Aiden O'Connell. So so you, you at least in a season where you know that you're not really going anywhere, which I don't think both these teams are, it's the opportunity to see. Maybe, maybe you stumbled upon – uh, 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 a diamond in the rough. And if you did great, uh, but at the same time, the NFL being such a quarterback driven league, even if he came out and did that well, and I'm the bears and I have picks one and two, I'm still taking a quarterback. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how he does. Cause you can't pass up on a guy, uh, whether it's Drake may or Caleb Williams, you can't pass up on a guy like that. If you have the opportunity to take them, cause it could change the whole, whole direction of your franchise in just one simple pick. Yeah, not to mention that the 49ers are probably on their way to the Super Bowl with Mr. Irrelevant from yeah. from last season. You yeah. know, talk about a guy that they stumbled upon just like they did with with Brady. It's like, up, oh, you know, kids got to go in there, throw Brady out there. Oh, we win the Super Bowl. Oh, and then we'll win six more uh, after that yeah. uh, kind of thing. And the worst that we'll do for the next 12 years is play in the AFC Championship game. That will yeah, be the I, worst I, that we'll I, do for a long time. Yeah, I, I, and I know we're 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 getting um we're getting close to the end of the show here, but I will tell you that that one of the things I think is goes underrated, and this goes even with with Justin Fields in Chicago. I think it's apropos, and, and I think you would agree, which is you can have a very good quarterback or the quarterback who has all the skill set to be successful in the league. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Brock Purdy, Mister Relevant. How about player development? I mean, you got to give the Forty ers yeah. and Kyle Shanahan credit. Right. Because I think Justin Fields, I'm still a Justin Fields fan, by the way. I like I, Justin. I am too, man. I really, really and, am. But I think he's done in Chicago, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. And, and if he goes to the right place, now he might not. He might go somewhere else and they waste him away too. But if he goes to the right place, like Brock Purdy was lucky enough to just get picked by the 49ers last in the draft, developing him. Um, and, and all of that, because Tom Brady, look, Tom Brady has what he has from a, from a natural ability standpoint. But that situation in that moment in time and having the right people to coach him and develop him clearly led to his greatness. And I think that that's that's what all good quarterbacks have, because even you look at Justin Herbert out in L.A. with the Chargers, Justin Herbert has all ability in the world Mm -hmm. and he's amazing. He's got great stats, but he doesn't win and he seems to falter at the last minute. 
because they've always had bad coaching in LA with the Chargers and Brandon right. Staley's not very good right now. So you just don't see the development happening. And to me, that goes much more to the deeper, deeper organizational structure stuff and, and the organization making good decisions. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of like the, the people that are still kind of uh, Justin Field stands, if you will, are, mm-hmm. you know, look at this. And, and, and it's actually something that I've been saying as well with how this season is gone. Um, the thing that's so frustrating about the Bears is that you look at the 2022 roster versus the 2023 roster, you would say we were leaps and bounds ahead of where we were a year ago, and yet we're a game worse than we were at this time last year. Last year we were 2-4, and four. this year we're 1-5. We're, we're playing worse football than before. What do you attribute that to? It's coaching. Mm. Yeah. It is coaching. How do you get more talented and then you're a worse football team? It doesn't make sense. And it's not me overinflating the talent that we have. It's not a Bear fan that's saying, hey, we're better. There were tons of people out there with high expectations, not like playoff or Super Bowl, but to go from 3-14 and 14 to being the Lions of 2023, maybe winning nine games and having a shot at the playoffs kind of thing, but seeing a marked improvement from that last year to this year, and we're not even close to that right now. I mean, dude, there was a really great chance that if we lost that Thursday night game to Washington that I'd be talking about my secondary coach, John Hoke, is the interim head coach or or our special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, or something uh, like that is our interim coach, and we're just trying to Rich Biasacci our way through the rest of this thing uh, kind of thing. So, I mean, it's a mess right now, and we're also, like, we're not out of the woods with Iberflus. Yet, if we go on another four or five game losing streak and look horrible, do it, doing it, he he. I think there's a very excellent chance he'll be the first coach that the Bears fired midseason. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, when you lose, when you if you lose the locker room, especially because then that's palpable, right? The ownership and the 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 front office can feel that because they're walking through that locker room and they understand it. And and look, players go up the chain. Trust me, they do, and they talk to people up there too. So if they're getting bad reports and things are starting to go sour. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing that's been painful to watch is it would be another thing. If, if polls put another 2022 roster uh, together, where we're just stringing a bunch of one-year contracts on here, but we made an investment in the team and we look worse than we did uh, a year ago. And yet we're better at basically every level uh, of the team. We're better on the offensive line. We're, uh, you know, we're better at linebacker. TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds in our starting linebacking core, uh, you know, and then try to tr- adding Tyreek Stevenson. We get a healthy Eddie Jackson, healthy Jalen Johnson. Nope, that's not working either. And, you know, uh, we go out and we get DJ Moore, yet we're struggling to score points, can't get it done uh, there and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's been especially frustrating to uh, to watch knowing that we're supposed to be better and yet we're playing worse and that's that's the one thing you can't fix is the guys running the team so yeah uh that's what's been frustrating i mean and i know that you guys have gone through a similar drama with with mcdaniels i'm sure the two wins back to back have kind of quieted that down uh a little bit but the raider fan base is cutthroat if nothing else uh you know that one and two start it's like okay we barely got past the broncos who just gave up 70 uh to the uh to the dolphins and we got this schmuck running the team. We can't even score 20 points a game. We got to get rid of him, right? Right, uh, Davis? Yeah. Let's get rid of this guy and and move on and, and you know, for, and prepare for 2024 uh, kind of thing. I mean, is 
Is is McDaniel's out of the woods yet? Is it, the seat still hot or is it warm or what's what's the situation there? I don't think it's warm at all. Actually, um, fans are are completely um, uh, angry about that. They 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 don't like Josh McDaniels, and and you understand why he's he's nine and fourteen since he took over the team, uh, and his head coaching record in two stints. Obviously, the first with the Broncos not good, but. Um, Mark Davis, the owner, said before the season he was ple- ple- uh, pleading for patience with developing the team. So that tells you that I don't think they're focused on wins. Now, development progress should be seen, and that's the, the troubling thing here is the offense. And I think it's the same thing you have there, which is if at any point their locker room's lost, and they're, they're already – Devontae Adams has been very vocal, and it's growing louder that he's not happy with what's happening with the offense – and then something could happen, but I think it would have to it would have to go so far south for them to want to make a change. Um, and, and I just don't see that happening this year. Right. So let's wrap things up here, Scott. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, sure. What uh, What do you What do you think's going down uh, on Sunday? Is it like we talked about before a low scoring affair where there's going to be a late turnover or a last second field goal that wins this thing, or, or are we going to find our offenses and just have fun scoring touchdowns on each other this weekend? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm I'm going to I'm going to give and not just because I cover the Raiders, but I'm going to say Raiders win this 21-17 or maybe 21-20, something like that. It's going to be close, but I think it'll be it'll be within a field goal. Um and and the only surprise there would be is if 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 one of these quarterbacks just has a really bad day, which is possible sure. on either side. Then I think you could see the score go up a little bit. But it, and I haven't seen the over under on it for those who who partake in in sports betting. But I would definitely go under and 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 take the Raiders on this one. But um, the it, last week was the first week that I actually picked the Raiders to win a game because I just have not seen enough from them to be convinced that they can go out and win a game that they're favored in. But um, I think this one, just knowing the drop off with Fields there. Uh, without without him there, mm-hmm. that to me that's that's a big that's a big deal, and so because um, we saw what Justin Fields can do when he is on fire, and, and that would scare me if I was the Raiders. But but since he's not going to be there, that's that's how I see it kind of unfolding. Yeah, for me, I I I, I, I agree. It'll be a low scoring affair, possibly be close, probably somewhere in the area of the nineteen to thirteen that we got from the Bears Very and Vikings so. last week. And the reason that I give the edge to the Raiders in a game like that is that you guys have the one thing that we don't have on defense, and that's Max Crosby. You have a closer on the defensive side. You know, when the other team's got to pass the ball and get it downfield, you've got a guy that can get to the quarterback and is a threat to do it every time you drop back uh, to throw. So it's like that's that's why I would give the edge to the Raiders theirs because Yannick Ngakwe is a good pass rusher, but he's got two sacks in six games, maybe you know two or three other pressures uh, because for some reason the Bears don't believe in uh, really blitzing to get to the quarterback when four can't do it. Uh, but Crosby, he can do it. And uh, that's the reason that, that I would say that I give the edge to the Raiders because they have the guy that can do the one thing the Bears can't do. Yeah, he, he can he can disrupt the whole game and, and kind of take it over, and that's exactly what he did uh, with the Patriots for most of it. So uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. But that's why they play the game. You just never know. Yeah. You never know in this NFL uh, on any given Sunday is such a true statement because uh, things things have a way of sort of going haywire occasionally and the opposite of what you think is going to happen happens. All right. And one last question before I let you go. Uh, sure. Speaking of Max Crosby, uh, I've seen like, you know, obviously 
you, you, it's it's already mock draft season uh, and things like that. And and with the Bears uh, in the spot that they're in, holding number one and number two, if the Raiders are in a position, I've seen scenarios where they will basically give up their draft for the next couple years and give us Max Crosby to take Caleb Williams. Do you see anything even remotely close to that happening uh, with the Raiders? I mean, do you guys think you're a quarterback away from actually being good on offense? No, I don't. But I think I think in the NFL today, with the quarterback position being the most important position on the team, um, you need to get that quarterback. You need to figure out who your guy is going to be, um, whether it's a rookie or a veteran, by the way. You know, people forget about veterans. There are veterans out there that could be available. Um so, so I, but I don't see, I think Max Crosby is the defense for the Raiders and I don't see them. They traded Khalil Mack away, obviously to the bears mm-hmm. uh, before when John Gruden was there. And, and that still is a, a, a tough pill to swallow for Raider fans because they loved Khalil Mack. Uh, but, but I don't, I don't think so. I think the Raiders, if you look at this draft, especially, I don't think, I mean, they could move up in the first round. They don't have to move up to one, they could move up to the top five and perhaps get a Drake may even, or, I mean, there's, there could be four, maybe five quarterbacks taken in the first round. And so if that's the case, I think all those guys, now Caleb Williams, you know, we saw a little bit uh, when he got faith, when he got pushed around a lot against Notre Dame last week, we saw him get a little jittery. So you kind of saw him under pressure, which is more, I think Notre Dame's defense was given some pretty good pro looks and so I think pro scouts now are like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, is Drake yeah. May better? I still think Caleb Williams goes number one, and I don't think there's any way. I really don't believe that the Bears will trade out of that pay. I just don't think they will. Um, and so so for the Raiders, it's going to be whether or not they want to move up in that draft. But remember, I was talking about this on our show uh, this morning, which is there's probably eight teams that could go quarterback in the first round in the first 14 picks. Now, I'm not saying eight quarterbacks are going in the first 14 picks, but there's eight teams that either desperately need one or could upgrade in one at one at quarterback. So it can, might be really competitive there. So I, you could see the Raiders move up in the first round, um, but I don't think it would include Max Crosby. I think you're talking about uh, other compensation. Remember, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of salary cap next year. Um, they're going to trade Hunter Renfro. He's making $14 million this year. Josh Jacobs will be gone next year. Um, and so, so I think there's going to be an opportunity for them to go in the free agency market and then move up in that first round or stay where they're at, wherever they finish at and, and go with the best player available there, um, and, and, and see what happens. So it'll, it'll be a very interesting off season, I think, uh, for this team, but they definitely need to get that quarterback for the future. Right. Yeah. Cause, um, if nothing else, Garoppolo is your bridge quarterback to whoever, Absolutely. That's the all next he was. Guy yeah. is. whether it's Aiden O'Connell and he, Develops into the next, uh, you know, Brady or Brock Purdy, I guess, would probably be our more recent example. Or, or if it's, uh, you know, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or, God forbid, a Michael Penix or, or somebody like that from the college ranks that comes in uh, to play. So, Scott, thanks so much uh, for your time, man. Thanks for joining us uh, to help sure. preview this game that uh, I'm not really looking forward to. As much as I'm going to love <laughs> to see what what the Tyson Bajan experience looks like from start to, uh, to finish. Um, if the last half of uh, the Vikings game is any indication, not his fault, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to want to watch uh, for 60 minutes. But uh, we'll we'll suffer through it. And uh, at the very least, I hope we get out of it healthy because that's also been something that has plagued the Bears 
uh, as of late. I mean, losing Justin Fields, we lost our starting right guard and Nate Davis. And for some reason in practice, we got guys dropping like flies. And Gakwe and our tackle, Darnell Wright, were on the injury report out of nowhere yesterday. So, fantastic. (laughs) It's it's a great time. always happens, man. Always a great time to be a Bears fan. Thanks so much for joining us. Where can we keep up with you guys in the meantime? Sure. Um, you can follow me on X.com. I'm LV Gully. Our show is called Silver and Black Today, uh, which is available where you get your, your audio. Also, uh, write about the NFL, not just the Raiders, but the entire NFL, a little bit of Major League Baseball, too, at sportsnot.com, where I'm an editor and a writer at large. So you can check out my work there. Awesome. Awesome, Scott. Thanks so much uh, for joining us, man. We'll see you again real soon. You got it, Larry. Take care. As always, I want to thank my guest, Scott Gulbranson from Silver and Black today for coming on the show, taking time to talk to us, to kind of uh, hold our hand and, and carry us through and, and, and talk about this team of his and ours. Uh, you know, to, why do we want to watch this game? Or, you know, do we have a chance in this one? Are you guys going to come in here and just beat the crap out of us uh, or what have you? But let's get to our keys to the game so we can wrap up here. Uh, first key for me is last week, I said be aggressive on offense. This week, I want us to be smart. We've got a rookie quarterback, an undrafted rookie free agent at that. Run the ball to set it up. Run the ball to set up play action. Give our rookie quarterback a chance, or at the very least, if you have to throw the ball, which Luke Getze seems hell-bent on doing, short, quick passes to help him get into a rhythm early. Let's be smart. Let's be smart. The hell with being aggressive. We can get aggressive once he's got some rhythm uh, together, once he's strung, you know, once he's six of eight to start the game or, or something like that. And then maybe you take a shot downfield uh, or something like that. But otherwise, let's be smart. Let's take what the defense gives us. Let's run the ball as much as we possibly can. Because even though, you know, yeah, we missed Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson, but Deontay Foreman was good for us last week. So was Darrington Evans for all their faults in pass protection and defending the blitz, the offensive line did a good job running or running the football, do run blocking everything. So let's do that. Let's protect the rookie. Let's not expose him, especially with a killer like that. You know, you guys heard me talk about it. Like the reason that I'm picking the Raiders over the bears is like, if it's going to be one of these close games, because both offenses are struggling to score points, then it's going to come down to the end of the game. And the Raiders have Max Crosby. He's going to be that killer that closer that can get that late-game sack that can shut things down. Yannick Ngakwe is the best that we have, but he's not doing that. you know. Or maybe he's past that point in his career, but he's not the killer that's going to get that sack that closes the game. Max Crosby can. So that's why I'm more, you know, I would, I would pick the Raiders over the Bears because that's the one thing they have that we don't. They have that killer, that closer, that can come out and make a sack and make a play double coverage, no matter what, he's going to get to the quarterback and affect the play uh, in some regard. Maybe he'll do another tip ball that ends up being an interception or a strip sack fumble or just a sack that's going to kill a drive. Max, we, They have Max Crosby and we don't. So, um, you know, we don't want to expose the, the kid back there. Not a lot of seven and nine step drops or whatever. Three steps, maybe five steps tops, get the ball out. And I know this sounds like something we should be saying even if Justin Fields ends up playing which he won't, but, you know, especially for the rookie. 
you know, let's not expose him too early to what he's not good at yet. Let's be smart, not aggressive, but smart on Sunday uh, against the Raiders. However, I do want you to stay aggressive on defense. That's key number two. We got away with uh, we got away from that at times against Minnesota, and it cost us. You know, we weren't aggressive on that last drive in the first half, where they drove right down the field and scored a touchdown on us. That was a huge touchdown that we allowed in that first half because we were aggressive in the second half and they didn't score. We shut them out in the second half. The only points Minnesota scored in the second half was the strip sack fumble on Bajent in, in, the, in the third quarter when Justin Fields went out. Two plays in the Tyson Bajent strip sack fumble touchdown 19-6 to ball game is essentially what that was. But the defense, on the other hand, they did their job and they have been doing it for the last couple of weeks, which tells me that maybe Iberflus is kind of hitting his stride uh, as a defensive uh, play caller. So we'll see if that continues this week uh, against the Raiders. But I want us to stay aggressive. Go out, when we're facing a rookie quarterback. Go after Aiden O'Connell. Get in his face. You know, force him to make mistakes. Because he did that. Well, the, the Chargers did. Khalil Mack sacked him six times. They got three turnovers out of that kid in the first half against the, the Chargers. And the, the Chargers went up 24-7 to at halftime and were able to coast the rest of the way to a 24-17 win uh, over the Raiders. So it's like, you know, let's be aggressive. Let's get after this kid. Let's see if we can't force a mistake or two where the defense can put some points on the board or at least give the offense a short field uh, to work with to where we're scoring points or we're earning points off of the Raiders' mistakes. That's how we win this football game. We're not going to be able to beat them straight up. We're going to need to create opportunities for ourselves and staying aggressive on defense against the rookie quarterback has already shown that he you know, falters under pressure. We want to dial up the pressure against this kid. So that's what I want to see. And then, you know, not just for this week, but the rest of it, you know, adopt this what have we got to lose mentality. You know, fake a punt, fake a field goal, do an onside kick. I don't give a shit. Just do something. You know, this is what I said going into the Washington game. Show me that it means something to you that you win this game. Show me. Show me how badly you want it by going for it on fourth and five, you know, rather than these embarrassing fourth and one attempts where if we get it, we barely get it kind of thing. How about we go for it on fourth and three in their territory? Rather than settling for a field goal, go for the first down and see if we can't get into the end zone. And I know I just said I don't want us to be aggressive on offense, but I want us to be aggressive in these situations. You know, we got to go out and we got to steal a possession or two from the Raiders in one way or another, whether it is creating turnovers on defense to give the offense the ball back or to extend drives by going for it on fourth down when we would normally be bringing out Cairo Santos to kick field goals. I want the Bears to go out there and just say, fuck it and go for it. I want to see that from them. You know, Iberflus has got to know his days are numbered. He's got to know. Because unless he goes on an 11-game win streak to finish the season, he's done in Chicago. Okay? Unless he, re- unless he wins almost all of his games from here on out, he's done. So why not just throw caution to the wind and see what happens? I would if I were him. So... That's all I got, guys. That's going to do it for the Week 7 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Uh, Keep your eyes open because coming out very shortly, 
my 2023 one-third season review episode uh, with Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears. We'll be releasing a little bit later on today, so keep your eyes open for that. And otherwise, we'll see you back here on Monday to review Bears and Raiders for week number seven. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.